0: Here's to
1: the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Adam? A-okay. Doing swell. How about you?
0: (laughs) I'm good. You know, we talked last time, last last time we were marining, <laughs> mm-hmm. last time in this little marin, we talked about the idea of opening the mainline Star Trek The Next Generation card packs that listener Ann sent us in our bummer boxes.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember that. Do you want to do that? Okay. The game is five cards. Done. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the cards data. Time to pluck a pigeon. I hold in my hands five packs of Star Trek The Next Generation Inaugural Edition cards.
0: These are, uh, ten to a pack. A little bit richer than the Portfolio Print series.
1: Let's dig in and see what we get. (laughs) Oh, I got a big rod right off the top. Really? Gene Roddenberry card. There's a Gene Roddenberry card? I would have guessed it would be number one, but it is card number three. Oh boy, these cards. <laughs> these cards I got a amazing. Guinan! Really? Oh, but I also got an Alexander, so that sort of negates that. I got
0: a Keiko and a Riker and a The Borg and a Food Replicator among my first pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What are-
1: what are the weirds that you got? Because I got a number of weirds.
0: Here's a weird. This is a probably a season three cast photo, including Wesley the boy. Wesley the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher.
1: My son.
0: Looking very, like, made up to conceal acne. Hmm. And there's a, a quote across the front, which is, French that I think you'll probably be able to translate, Adam. It is. (laughs) Even me? Là où personne n'est encore jamais allé.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: I think that translates as where no one has gone before.
1: Oh. I have no
0: idea why there would be a French card
1: in here. That is weird. I have a card for personal access display device, (laughs) I have a card for photon torpedoes.
0: Hey, I got an Alexander also.
1: That does not appear to be a card depicting him in the middle of a performance. That just looks like him hanging out by a trailer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Give us your war face. Got one for Dustbuster Phaser. Phaser Type 2.
1: Oh, I got Dr. Pulaski.
0: Hey, that's a good one.
1: What do you guess is card number one? Because mm. I just got uh, the Enterprise D It's card number 43 My hunch is that there's not going to be any Jaegers in here Card number 1 is just a pile of cocaine on Gene Roddenberry's desk
0: <laughs> I got one for Ambassador Lawaxana Troy Uh oh <laughs> I got one for wardrobe And it's just a picture <laughs> of Picard and Data in Dixon Hill get-ups
1: <laughs> oh, I got one for Shuttlecraft classifications. I got maybe the most valuable card there is, which is Sergei and Helena Roshenko.
0: Hey, is Gene Roddenberry card number three? Yeah. Because I have a card here that's Checklist One, and it actually lists what the first series is, what the first card is, which is Series Introduction. Card number two is unaccountably fifth season con
1: men. (laughs) What? You know how when you record an album, like, (laughs) sequencing is something they think a lot about? The sequence of the songs? Yeah. That is not a thought they gave to these cards.
0: (laughs) Oh, I've got the same photo with where no one has gone before in English this time.
1: These cards are so weird. I have external and internal coordinate systems. (laughs) You gotta get that external and internal coordinate systems card, Ben. You gotta get it signed.
0: (laughs) I hope external and internal coordinate system is at the next Las Vegas Comic-Con, because uh, I tried to get a signature last year, and I couldn't get one.
1: Hell yeah, Ben. I got Roll (laughs) Aaron. top
0: of the list. I got Tasha Yar. Hey, I've got Miles and Keiko.
1: You should get a frame for that card and, <laughs> and put it with uh, the framed photographs of your family. <laughs> Just as a, as a warning.
0: <laughs> I've got the Q. Alright, I'm into my last pack, Adam.
1: So am I. Starfleet emblem. <laughs> Alright, guys. We need 700 cards <laughs> Just start naming shit Go Makeup Which is an actual card I have
0: Wesley Crusher Klingon Katinga class battle cruiser. Hypo spray Starfleet uniforms
1: You ever go to an Indian restaurant And get that chicken Katinga class dinner
0: <laughs> No? Go with the butter chicken at
1: Oh, yeah, you can't mess with that butter chicken.
0: I kind of did the thing of sex on ecstasy with butter chicken, though. (laughs) I ordered it in (laughs) India, and it was, like, a million times better than I've ever had it here. Yeah. And now it's, like, uh, it's just a shadow of what I want it to be.
1: Uh, Yeah. Oh, man. The butter's different there. The chicken's different there. Everything's different. I can, I can. Ne- I'm just chasing that chicken.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, our thanks to Anne for sending us the bummer box that included these card packs.
0: Yeah, and my beloved VHS copy of *Flying Solo* from the Riker collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of gifts, Ben, <laughs> a term that has nothing to do with the episode we're about to watch. What do you say we get started with season seven, episode nine, "Force of Nature"? I concur.
0: The entrepreneur is on the hunt for a missing ship, but before we get to the excitement, <laughs> we're going to need to spend an entire cold open with Data and Geordi looking under the bed for Data's cat.
1: I hate cats. Data's cat. Spot. I love cats. Jordy, who has for some reason volunteered to cat sit.
0: Yeah, Data wasn't like away at a conference or anything. Jordy was just exploring the idea of taking a feline companion and wanted to, wanted to like kick the tires and take one out for a spin around the neighborhood before he committed to it.
1: In the same way that Biff Yeager got. Bag after bag of mail, telling the studio how much the fans loved the character of Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta believe uh, that that spot mail was pretty massive because <laughs> season seven is most definitely the season of spot. Seriously,
0: have you ever met the owner slash wrangler of a star animal like a like a screen animal? No. They're they're a they're a strange group of people. Yeah, it's a bit of a stage parent vibe. Sure, but also the like antisocialness of dumping that kind of energy into an animal.
1: <laughs> Only the waste. I'm just of I'm just trying to picture a life around that.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to picture Spot's owner, the person who is prosecuting this attempt to make Spot a star by sending fraudulent fan mail in to the studio.
1: They used a couple of different cats as Spot, and this is the Spot that ends up being in the movie later.
0: Oh, This is Star Trek Generation Spot. This is the Mary-Kate and Ashley of Spots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, Jordy and Data are talking about what a shit this cat is. Why is Spot under the bed? Probably because she knows if I catch her. I'm going to kill her. And how it doesn't respond to instructions, how it's a destructive being in Jordy's condo. Has Spot been misbehaving? The cat finally, like, runs out of the room to the sound of pots and pans crashing in Jordy's <laughs> living room. In a replicator-designed future, what does one need with pots and pans?
0: In Worf's apartment, that would have made sense, because there's lots yeah. of metal things hanging from the wall that could crash and make those noises. Right. Specifically knives. Yeah. Have we ever seen what the rest of Jordi's apartment looks like, or have we only seen the bed? It looks like Jordi's gotten better, better pillow game going, at the very least.
1: It's shitty that Jordi's blind, and so they don't give him a cabin with a window. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it, but it's still... Seems unbefitting of his rank. You would think he's chief engineer. Yeah,
0: you know he does actually have that weird square pillow up there. It's just that he's added a couple of normal pillows to his bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm 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 not trying to get off track. The fact that he doesn't have any windows.
1: Oh, are you, are you apologizing for getting off track of a spot hard B story? <laughs> We're just cramming this spot story down our throats.
0: I literally have the phrase "strong B plot" <laughs> in my notes as as what what we are talking about with Spot.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You may think that this is a this is a bottle open, but no. This nah, is, dog. <laughs> learning all about that spot life.
0: We get out of it with Riker like radioing down to them, essentially going. Uh hey hey Jordy and Data, quit fucking around with that cat. <laughs> There's business to attend to. Please report to the observation lounge. Mission briefing in ten minutes.
1: That's a great dun 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 into show open. Saved by the theme.
0: We come out of it and they are entering a dangerous part of space. Not dangerous, but a part of space where there is a lot of strange activity with regard to fields. So there's only one little corridor that you can warp through. It's called the Hikaris Corridor. And uh, it's sort of like... um, Hunt for Red October when they go past Thor's twins into the canyon there.
1: Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, seeing a map of the corridor really evoked an underwater seamount map.
0: Remember the dispatch we got about Russian subskippers running the
1: Ricanus Ridge at high speeds because they had hyper-accurate surveys of the underwater
0: canyons? Your ship will work outside of this, but it's not going to be able to warp. And uh, they're missing a USS Fleming, a medical transport ship that the federation has dispatched the entrepreneur out to look for
1: the hecarus corridor was named for the planet hecara and a few of its inhabitants beam onto the ship this is a brother and sister team rabal and sarova
0: we're trying to make you listen
1: you're killing us
0: that happens at like minute 20 adam we still have like (laughs) we have a lot of show to get through before that happens
1: fuck (laughs) let's hit rewind (laughs) So, they aren't sure what happened to the ship, so they go in looking for it.
0: They're going in looking for it. We spend a lot of time in this episode with Jordy and Data kind of talking about cat stuff, and then also Jordy's got this scheme to squeeze a couple more percentage points of efficiency out of some aspect of the engine. Turns out he's got kind of a rivalry with another chief engineer on another starship. I just like to make sure that our power conversion levels. A little bit higher than theirs. I understand. You were in competition with Mr. Kaplan. A lot of this the beginning part of this episode is just spent on Data and Geordie being good time buddies.
1: Yeah, they're really small talking.
0: They're crawling around in Jeffrey's tubes, they're you know they're doing they're doing work, but they're I like it, you know, it's like um it's that day at work vibe where you know they're getting their work done but they're having their water cooler chat also.
1: They have to talk about the cat because the cat was in the cold open, but I wish their small talk was about anything else. Mm-hmm. At one point, Jordy makes the appeal that maybe you can train a cat by shooting it with a phaser. This is an idea I can get behind, <laughs> Data, Data pretty unequivocally says I cannot stun my cat. <laughs>
0: I have one of those, uh, f- those fly swatters that you put a couple of batteries in and it looks like a tennis racket. Mhm and it zaps the fly. Uh-huh. My dog is outraged whenever this thing comes out. Like he he is totally on the fly's side when I pull this thing out. He like if he, if he hears it coming out of a cabinet, he'll like run from the other side of the apartment and and look at me accusi- accusatorily. Really? Yeah, he's not into zapping things.
1: See, I thought the direction that story was going was that you used the that as the training tool for Darwin. <laughs> no way, dude. You cannot stun Darwin. No. Can't do it. They're
0: poking around for this USS Fleming, and they come across a disabled Ferengi vessel, and this Ferengi vessel is really in bad shape. It's got no warp drive. It can't. Communicate on the normal radio. No subspace. Anything is coming out of this dealy,
1: which makes their job really difficult because they can't really tell what's happening with it.
0: Yeah, and it turns out it's kind of a trap, right? Like they figure out a way to communicate, but they get in close enough to do it, and the Ferengis start shooting at them. They're locking weapons. Shields up. They disable the Ferengi weapon system and and get this diamond on the radio. And they're like, what the fuck is your problem? And he's like, what the fuck is my problem? What the fuck is your problem? You guys have mined the corridor. The Federation established this corridor. We have nothing to gain by mining
1: it. It's weird to see a Ferengi in a position of shooting at a Federation ship. Like, that seemed like a departure from the mindless... <laughs> Hooting and hollerers that, that we've come to know and, and laugh at. Yeah.
0: Aren't they just beaming girls out of their clothes and
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're basically like Vegas magicians.
0: <laughs> they get this diamond on board and his take is that they've mined the corridor and Picard is like, dude, we have no there's no upside for the Federation in mining the corridor. We, you know, maintain this as a trade route. We would never do that. I feel like this is maybe the first time I've heard a Ferengi say "human" in a in, an intentionally mispronounced, insulting way. Human.
1: He kind of tin mans that word, doesn't he? Tin man. He
0: does. He says "human." Human.
1: Yeah. Tin man.
0: I remember in the, in Deep Space Nine they say "human" a lot, but this guy says "human." Yeah. Human.
1: Well, they're really doing some world building there with that pronunciation. It's about as much as they're willing to do for the Ferengi. (laughs) (laughs) Look, now what the show Bible says is that the Ferengi are supposed to be totally one dimensional. What my human pronunciation presupposes is maybe they're not? (laughs) Or maybe they are. All
0: right, Adam, let's talk about it. Another scene with. Data and Jordy and Spot fucking around. This is one where Data is trying to teach Spot to not be on the table.
1: This is down. Down is good. This is up. Up is no. As a person who owns and operates a cat, uh, I could have told you that you can't tell a cat to do anything. A cat is going to do what it wants to do. I don't believe it is possible to train a cat And it's another reason why I think Cat Wrangler as a film and TV job Is like A consultant (laughs) What exactly are you paying for? Yeah
0: Man, they spend so much time fucking around in this episode They really do Because it's, you know The program is 42, 43 minutes long Not counting title sequence credits Right?
1: Yeah Probably like
0: 41 minutes really yeah, we've burned through 20 minutes of this episode before anything happens and the anything that happens is that the ship pulls up to one of these these buoys that are supposed to be like the thing that help them navigate the corridor and it explode and it knocks out their warp drive and all their propulsion shit just like the Ferengis
1: not a great look
0: It's not a great look, and it's especially bad because a ship pulls up, and they don't have enough power to raise shields to prevent two college professors from beaming over.
1: We have intruders in main engineering. These aliens have, like, loaf mouths in the middle of their foreheads. (laughs) (laughs) Like, have you seen that picture of Trump where his mouth is Photoshopped over his eyes, and he looks exactly the same? Yeah. I was wondering what a picture of these aliens would look like if you just flip their faces upside down. (laughs) Because they have a very pronounced head mouth.
0: They do have a a pronounced head mouth. Do you think that thing is meant to open canonically?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I wonder if you have to put chapstick on it.
0: (laughs) There was a scene in the script where one of them popped a piece of cake into their upper mouth, and then they had to cut it because they didn't have the budget for (laughs) a prosthetic that involved...
1: They burned that CG mouth on Jordy's neck a few episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> we used up all the budget on the Frakes episode. <laughs> they beam directly to
0: engineering. And this is apt because they're here to talk about warp engines.
1: Their response to being boarded is so strange. Like, it's amazing to me. It's surprising to me that Jordy doesn't draw on them. Did it surprise you? I mean,
0: they didn't draw on the Borgs when the Borgs came aboard that first time either. Yeah. I think that their their default assumption that people are are there with, you know, positive intentions it has been proven wrong so many times, <laughs> and especially in the context of a mine just blew out their engines and then these two people beamed on board directly thereafter, unannounced and uninvited, assume those are bad people and shoot them. Like, sort out what they're there for when they're in the brig.
1: How many times do you need to get your pants pulled down before you start double-knotting your drawstring? <laughs> How can you trust a man that wears both a belt and suspenders? man can't even trust his own pants.
0: How many times does Lucy pull the football away before you don't, you know, give it your full kick?
1: Yeah. Yeah. These aliens also have, like, loaf combed into their temples.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's like their loaf turns into hair.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking, like, how do you care for that? I don't know. How do you dry your hair after a shower and then comb it?
0: (laughs) Also, just, like... The idea of hair in meatloaf is so gross.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's f- somehow grosser in meatloaf than almost any other food, because <laughs> it's like baked in.
1: Yeah, gross. Yeah, you get to really, you got to really pull to get it out, don't you?
0: <laughs> they have a McLaughlin group. Issue one, and these college professors explain that they are doing some kind of like Greenpeace direct action to get the attention of the Federation that warp drives are destroying the fabric of space. And I guess the Hakarans are members of the Federation, the alien species these guys come from. Right. They're on a planet that is like totally isolated from the rest of the Federation except for this Hakaris corridor. So they have kind of a lot to lose if warp drive stops being usable but they are insisting that like no more warp drive is the way to go
1: right because it's destroying their planet it's making it uninhabitable
0: it's not bueno and you know picard is really pissed he's like you know there's proper ways to do this you can go file your data with the federation science council and i think that like some of the earlier research that they have presented has already been been sort of discredited
1: and it's early too, right? Right. Like, like they've stated the hypothesis, and they're they're using the scientific method to prove or disprove it, but it's not happening fast enough.
0: Right. And uh, Dr. Sarova, the lady, is is the one that's kind of leading the research, and she's just dead certain. Like she she's got a better understanding of this than anyone, and is so freaked out that she is has taken the grave step of radicalizing her brother and then planting all these mines in the corridor.
1: The way they treat Sirova, which is the sister character, is so <laughs> is so discouraging. Like she's clearly smart and articulate and like she's found a cause and this is it. But the way her brother talks about her is like chicks, man. Like <laughs> I don't get it. My sister and I do not wish to impede your rescue process. Well, don't. Probes are the only leverage we have. Sarova. That's my sister. They never, ever treat her seriously. Or as an equal. I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that, like, they kind of reflect on that toward the end. Like, Jordy talking about the kind of hubris uh, that clouded his judgment of her. But... It's hard to ignore that fact when this show has, like, done so much good work in the other direction yeah. of, like, female scientists being given the benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah. So they come away from this meeting, though, with Picard going, well, like, I understand that there's a bureaucracy to go through and that's slow. And look, I'll commit to, you know, redoubling our effort to, to helping you figure out the issue of warp engines totally destroying your planet. But we're here on a rescue mission, so, like, that's got to be top of mind right now.
0: Yeah, so Dr. Sorova agrees to n- use what she knows about the mines to help them get their engines back online, which is, like, you know, they're talking about, like, a day and a half of round-the-clock work, and she's like...
1: With my help, your ship could be operational in 10 hours.
0: And so this gives Jordy an opportunity to kind of scold them, like, say, like, hey, listen, guys, like, I'm all for exploring this as a scientific premise, but uh, what if that medical ship that we're looking for, it had perishable medical supplies on it, or, like, people who are dying? Like, you can't kill people because you believe what you believe, and they're like, listen, bro, if our planet is destroyed, that's worse than losing one medical frigate.
1: Yeah, they're really making the case for uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the less many. <laughs> and so, uh, Sarova does something pretty rash. Have I skipped ahead again?
0: No, I don't think you have. I think they, like, what if they, like, find a debris field, but it turns out not to be the ship they're looking for? And, uh, yeah, Sorova hops on her ship and, like, flies out in between the entrepreneur and the Fleming, and she sets her warp reactor to go critical, and it blows a fucking huge space butthole into space. I am
1: the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are born.
0: It is just a great
1: big purple butthole, Ben.
0: She stamped a mud hole into that fucker.
1: Ben, I have a question. <laughs> Can you jake your own ship? Like what's the what are the rules of of quote unquote jaking a shuttle? I think the main rule is that it can't belong to you, right? So yeah. I don't think in in the rule book this counts. But in my notes I definitely wrote down she jaked back her ship. She
0: did. I mean you can't assume that she filed a flight plan or anything and No, I'm, I'm sure that that's part of the policy.
1: Yeah, she goes out real big though.
0: Yeah, and, and her brother is totally gobsmacked by this. He was not expecting her to kill herself because of her beliefs.
1: Is this one of the most epic deaths we've ever seen, as far as how a person dies? Six million years to die. Choose one. They wanted proof. I'm going to give it to them. at maximum Full reverse. It's pretty epic. Like a single person, I guess I should say, versus a whole starship it's pretty epic man I mean it's pretty much
0: like I mean like what are causes that people kill themselves over like really big shit you know yeah she's like she's like dumping a can of gas all over herself and lighting herself on fire in the town square yeah essentially
1: only that monk didn't turn into a butthole after
0: That might be one more notch closer to bottom, Adam. <laughs> Don't want to get the bends.
1: <laughs> got to go down real slow.
0: Yeah, we'll just uh we'll hang out here and uh and get our systems used to the pressure. <laughs> so they got a problem. There's a very massive ass crack opened in space. And it's like totally degraded in terms of it's being sub it's sort of subspace and sort of sort of normal space. So they won't be able to form a warp bubble to move the ship through it. And the Fleming is in there and you know, the clock is ticking. Like the Fleming is not going to be able to hang in the butthole forever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the most difficult thing of being proximal to the butthole. (laughs) You're liable to just lose it at any moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this is not a well-maintained butthole. It has not been Brazilian. It's not, you know, it's not getting... The Rim Forest. Yeah, the Rim Forest pretty is whack. fully intact.
1: <laughs> and this thing is, like, throwing out waves every once in a while, too. They are, The Enterprise isn't super close to it, but it's still getting rocked by a wave every couple of minutes.
0: By butthole bangers?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have, you know, I've not seen the original Butthole Bangers, man. I've only seen Butthole Bangers 37. <laughs> That's when I discovered the series.
0: It's an amazing series because it's, you know, it was originally shot on 16 millimeter, then videotaped for a long time. They've yeah. totally made the transition to digital. Really stood the test of time.
1: I mean, it says right there on the box art, uh, a rich legacy of banging buttholes. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Maltin. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Leonard Maltin had to review porn? Like, like as his self-imposed movie review rule? Like, well, if it's ever been put on tape, I've got to review it. If they show it in a theater...
0: <laughs> Leonard Maltin will be there. <laughs> they come up with this little plan where they're going to go to warp and then coast through the crack. And as they coast past the butthole, they'll pass the Fleming and they'll try and beam everybody out and uh, then they'll come out the other side.
1: I love this idea. Just the blip and coast.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the idea of conservation of motion Mm -hmm. is often not really a part of the physics of Star Trek. Yeah. But it's a question I always wonder. Like, if you go to warp speed and then turn off your warp engines, are you still going faster than the speed of light, or do you not keep going faster than the speed of light?
1: That's what the idea of the coast is sort of disputing. Like, yeah. Like, it sure seems like when they come out of warp, they are doing something tantamount to uh, hitting reverse thrusters. Right to uh, to stop their, their forward motion.
0: Yeah, I don't understand. I don't feel like this shed any light on it, to be honest. Because they say, yeah. like, we'll, ha- we'll still have enough momentum to make it out the other side of the butthole, but that means there's something slowing them down. Is that just the skein of real space?
1: I don't know. I mean, in this case, it is the butthole waves <laughs> that are emanating from its core like so much flatulence.
0: The engines are going to need a while to charge up for this little adventure. So Jordi t- tells Data, like, hey, let me know Let me know when the engines are charged up. I got to go sort out some FIFIs. And he goes and talks to Dr. Rabal, the surviving member of the Hakkaran scientific community. The dude is having, like, a classic 10-forward bum-out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like a like a season four era 10 forward bum out. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's nice when they play the hits.
1: That's what it's there for. When you want to be bummed, but you want to be bummed in public, go to 10 forward.
0: If you would like another character to walk up to you and ask you what you're thinking about, go to 10, <laughs> 10 forward.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Rabal makes the case that he was like, look, I was a non-believer in my sister for a long time. I'm an idiot. Like, I don't know anything about this. It took me years to get on her level. And then she finally uh, made a believer out of me. So yeah, of course I'm sad. Like, she worked extremely hard to make her case. And I was one of the people that she was closest to. It sucks.
0: It's an interesting problem, right? Like, th- the entrepreneur crew has been saying, well, let's study this phenomenon. Like, if you, f- if you feel like there's good research here like other people should be able to reproduce it we should spend some time looking into it and he's like man like they've been their case has always been we don't have time for that shit we got to stop using warps now and that was the urgency that drove his sister to explode herself and that like that really hits Jordy hard because he's a warp dude
1: yeah he's definitely pro warp
0: I wonder what the traveler would think about this situation
1: I I don't believe that the actor who played the traveler was too expensive to bring back. <laughs> they probably could have probably could have had him if they wanted him.
0: <laughs> well, you work for slightly less than scale. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, Jordy's very much a warp baby warp kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because he's built a life around this. Yeah, you know,
0: and he's pretty frank about that. He's saying like, hey, listen, like. I make my living warping. You're trying to take food off my family's plate? I can't have that.
1: And you're working hard to put food on your family. Look, my father was a warp miner, (laughs) my grandfather was a warp miner. It's how I put dinner on the table.
0: So, what if there's a ton of mercury in the rivers? It's how we make our living. So, what if I have a terrible case of warp lung that's going to kill me early?
1: So they decide to coast, Ben. They they do all the math on the coasting. Yeah, they... they make it so. They uh, turn
0: the key and they hit the three-wheel motion.
1: They do that thing where you run out of gas. If you run out of gas, you can sort of, like, turn your key and use your starter to move your car to the side of the road.
0: Yeah. Cle- yeah, if it steers, it clears, is the Enterprise motto. <laughs> and they... <laughs> <laughs> They're, they are traversing the butthole when the wise guys on the Fleming get the great idea of starting their warp reactor back up. And it has a bad effect on the butthole. You didn't think this butthole could get any bigger, but it can.
1: The Fleming's like, we are covered in gasoline over here. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to have a smoke. Just one second. <laughs>
0: I'm going to have a smoke and then we'll figure out what to do about all this gas.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not a great scene because they can't tell him not to.
0: Yeah, they have no communications with the Fleming. All they can do is beam people out as they coast by. And they, they manage to beam everybody out of the Fleming, but they have run out of momentum and the space butthole has gotten too big. They're still stuck in it.
1: Yeah, it has grown because of how the Fleming had started its engines. Now their math doesn't work. Now their
0: math doesn't work. And so what proceeds after this is a, like, one-and-a-half-minute fourth act, <laughs> which is them coming up with the idea of surfing on the fart waves out of the space butthole. All right, Mr. Forge, get us out of here. And they, like, come up with this idea, they do it, and they're clear.
1: It is such a fun idea that requires so many special effects. And to give it 90 seconds, I thought, was a really interesting choice.
0: Especially when you spent, like, literally, there are eight minutes of ep dedicated to fucking around with a cat.
1: You know, there's two rules of film, Ben. (laughs) It's it's don't work with animals or buttholes. (laughs) And they broke both of those rules here. Yeah. They would prefer to work with animals.
0: They I vastly oversaved the cat. Yeah. Yeah. So the last scene in the episode is Dr. Rabal showing them, like, the epidemic spread map of the subspace rifts. Like, he's like, this is where the buttholes are now. In 40 years, this is where the buttholes will be. And they, like, spread out to cover the entire screen of space.
1: Yeah, it's not a great look. It's sort of uh, the hockey stick equivalent of buttholes.
0: Yeah. It just goes from, like, showing a cat's butt to showing Goatsy on the screen.
1: (laughs) I was wondering if we were ever going to throw to Goatsy this episode. (laughs) Sure enough, it took about 40 minutes.
0: This is the worst episode we've ever done.
1: <laughs> See, I thought we were resting here before going further down. We are. <laughs> I didn't notice our diving bell had lowered even further. <laughs> the, the reaction here is that,
0: like, the Federation is like, okay, we're going to limit emissions.
1: We are going to sign on to the Paris Climate Agreement of Warp Travel. It's not fake news, we're gonna do
0: it. And like we're pretty sure the Klingons are gonna do it. We're gonna hope that the Romulans and the Cardassians and the Frankie do the right thing. And they all kinda just sit there and like reflect on it and and everybody leaves and Geordi and Picard talk about how how much their identities are wrapped up in the idea of warping around and the they had this kind of knee jerk reaction against a situation that would cause them not to warp around all the time, which I think is a fairly good metaphor, you know? Like, I think that people that drive around a lot don't want to have that taken away from them, and that's why the climate change debate has been so hard for a lot of people.
1: As and long it, as what you do is so entwined with how you view yourself and who you are, like... This conflict will always be there. You know, when people self-actualize as their job. Right. Like it's hard to it's hard to even fathom any other way of living. And that's what these guys have have come face to face with. Like if we can't warp, are we a space-faring race? Right. Yeah, and they don't resolve that. They don't resolve to answer that question either. It's just sort of ended with a Stare off into the distance
0: Yeah, I mean They're better than us though Like they You know, like the Federation As a whole Has not just had the childish Knee-jerk reaction that our society Has had to the climate change thing Of like, well we don't want the climate You know, we don't want Man-made climate change to Be real, so we're not gonna Take it seriously, you know like, the Federation is more advanced and they're saying, like, this is a problem and we need to take it really seriously.
1: Yeah, the the math on the benefits here is inverted compared to what we're experiencing. Like, like the benefit of warp travel benefits so many in this world that the consequence also impacts so many. But I feel like in modern times the idea of sacrificing fossil fuels would would hurt a few people and benefit so many more
0: yeah it's really mainly just gonna hurt rex tillerson
1: rex tillerson whose face you see on the internet and know that he has never smiled genuinely in his life
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you like this episode adam
1: I was expecting a lot of eye roly proselytizing to be done here, and I felt like their portrayal of the issue and its quote-unquote solution uh, was pretty fair and pretty all right. Like, the stakes were as high as they could be. I mean, you can't just... This is not a Praxis explodes and the greenhouse gases on the Klingon homeworld are, <laughs> are, you know, starting global warming. Like, this isn't that on the nose. This is, like, this is a little more subtle because it's a way of life thing versus an existential threat thing. Right. So I liked that the stakes were dialed back, you know, a little bit off of existential. So I thought it was good. It was thought-provoking.
0: Yeah, I think that the structure of this episode is a fucking mess. Yeah. And absolutely. They had all of the parts of a good episode and they like made this weird funky bouya base with cat gags that like don't really like it would be one thing if that cat gag had any anything to say about what the episode is about, but it didn't.
1: We've seen so many episodes that attempt to connect the B story to the A story, and they these were totally independent.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't like, have a problem with that Nothing about being...
1: the butthole was affecting the cat.
0: Right. I don't have a problem with the B story and A story not being connected, but when one is so clearly like interesting and compelling and well thought through, and the other is just like insane jokes written by
1: people that don't have cats like just (laughs) I don't know man I mean were they trying to draw a flimsy connection of like you can't train a cat just like you can't train a butthole like (laughs) is that what they're trying to do or was there never any attempt to draw a parallel there
0: I think that would be far too charitable
1: okay um
0: and it just doesn't, like, it doesn't read as an authentic Data character thing, you know? Like, Data does all the research before he starts a project. Yeah. Randomly, like, like, trying to explain in clausal sentences to a cat that up is no and down is good is not something that Data would do.
1: I would love to have seen the scene where Jordy walks into the holodeck and Data's got his cat by the throat and he's like throwing it against the wall. <laughs> trying to trade it not to get up onto his desk. Stop it. Stop. 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 Data, why do you keep doing this? <laughs> ben, do we have any priority one messages you wanna throw up against the wall?
0: Uh I don't want to throw them against the wall because I love priority one messages, Adam. <laughs> but we do have some.
1: Fair enough. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a
0: supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Income. Supplemental,
1: supplemental
0: income. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Ben, our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from Megan. <laughs> <laughs> it is for Tristan. It goes like this. Thought the Robot Anime Girl video game was your only birthday present? Guess again. (laughs) Love you bunches and can't wait to see the Greatest Gen live in Minneapolis with you. It'll be a real first contact meet cute. Aww. Hey, that's great. People are talking about going to our tour dates, Ben. I wonder what
0: that Robot Anime Girl video game is.
1: The Imagination... It uh, goes in a number of places,
0: <laughs> Yeah. That's an adventurous couple. Megan and Tristan, come say hi to us after the show. That'll be really fun.
1: I can't wait for Megan to correct my pronunciation of her first name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Adam, we have a second Priority One message here. It is from The Douche Bros, and it is for old Yanny Boy. And it goes like this: West Seattle represent. Did you make those tertiary indices yet? Ha! You're gonna. End of
1: communication. <laughs> yeah,
0: I want to point out that douchebros is spelled D O O S H, which uh, is a, a creative spelling and maybe means something different from what I think of when I think douchebro.
1: Maybe that's a that's a question we can answer on Urban Dictionary. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I tend to I tend to blanch at going to that site.
1: Yeah, yeah, you me both. Well, uh, if you don't blanch about spending hundred dollars on a priority one message, you can go to slash jumbotron where personal messages are that one hundred dollars and commercial messages are two hundred dollars. It's a great way to reach a lot of people and also help support the production of The Greatest Generation at the same time. Thanks, guys. Boy, do I love a
0: Microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to Microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES.
1: You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm and the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support don't settle for being another company's product be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is scarves. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben? Adam.
1: Do you have a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda!
0: I do. I'm going to give it to the writers of this episode and... You're breaking the fourth wall, Ben. I'm breaking the fourth Shimoda wall. I mean, I've talked a little bit already about how I think the structure of this is bad, but I also just wanted to twang on them a bit for the line that they insert in the final McLaughlin group when Dr. Rabal says, our climate is changing. <laughs> it's just such a herder. <laughs> yeah. guess what guess-what-this-episode's-about moment. And I don't think that it strengthens the case that the episode makes. I think it kind of hurts it. It, it, It weakens it to point right at what you're talking about. Because the issue with the climate deniers is that they are letting intellectual dishonesty and emotional immaturity conflate with each other to form an unwillingness to deal with a looming catastrophe. And... That's not like a phenomenon that is isolated to climate change. Like mm-hmm. people do that with all kinds of situations. Yeah. So, kudos to the writers for writing a episode that has a lot of really good and interesting points about climate change and her dur to the writers for sneaking that line in which doesn't actually make their like advance their cause at all.
1: Yeah, they hit the target most of the time, but at <laughs> but in this example like they threw the dart and hit the wall yeah (laughs) yeah you're gonna get one of those from time to time
0: it's like the house we rented for my bachelor weekend that had a dartboard, and we were all so inebriated so much of the time that we just left the wall with trillions of new dart holes in it and oh no (laughs) and then decided to leave a very fancy bottle of whiskey as an apology when we were leaving
1: did that make it right Yeah, the guy who appreciates the whiskey. You got a good review. Yeah, that's good. So, do you take a trowel and spread the whiskey into those holes? I guess I'm not putting (laughs) together how that exactly fixes the problem. I think you just. I suppose you can get drunk while repairing those holes.
0: You you get drunk enough that your vision blurs enough that you don't see the holes.
1: Good call. Did you have a drunk Shimoda? I did, and I'm gonna give it to Sarova who in the chicks man scene between Rabal and Jordy, Rabal's like kicked back in an office chair. <laughs> They're talking about Sarova across the room. And they cut to Sarova, who has clearly been given the direction, look like you're thinking about math. <laughs> she looks like a stock photo of someone like thinking, you know, and you've seen that stock photo before of like, when you type in the search term, smart person or thinking or whatever. Like it's someone like putting their pointer finger on their chin and like looking up. Mm -hmm. She does not look like she's thinking. She looks like she's thinking about looking like she's thinking. (laughs) And so she's my Shimoda. She couldn't quite act her way out of that. (laughs) Ben, what do we have coming up for the next episode? The next episode is
0: season seven, episode 10 inheritance A routine mission to save an endangered planet brings Data face-to-face with a woman who claims to be his mother. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
1: Didn't Data just say not too long ago that he didn't have a mother? I thought that just came up recently. Maybe. I don't remember Data having a mom. How hurt do you have to be if you're Dr. Soong's wife, and Dr. Sung is in the basement for decades making a robot. And the <laughs> robot he's making looks exactly like him and not his wife. <laughs> like he's ostensibly making their child. Yeah. That's some vanity right there.
0: Damn, super hurtful. That's, that's some cold shit. That's like some Rick and Morty shit.
1: <laughs> you say that as if you have started watching Rick and Morty. Ben, yeah, I watched you?
0: a couple of that shows.
1: Awesome. That is a great program.
0: It took me like uh, five episodes to to get into it.
1: It is really stupid smart. Yeah. That, it's a great combo. I'll,
0: I'll give it that. Yeah. Unlike our show, which is just stupid fart.
1: <sighs> well, one way you can tell us how we're doing is on Twitter <laughs> using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cup for Time. Ben is as at BenjaminR, A-H-R. We're also on Facebook and Reddit. Chat up the rest of the viewers over there, won't you?
0: And we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Argusia for our other music. I want to give a, a shout out to Sarah Archer, who wrote a great article about us uh, in Slate. And, mm. uh, you know, we've talked about the great article that Sarus wrote about us, but I don't feel like we give Sarah Archer her due. We really appreciate that she wrote that article about us yeah thanks so much it was awesome a lot of people found us through that Yeah, and with that we will be back at you next week another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation an episode of the greatest generation that I really hope is not an Oedipal story where we see a horrible potential of (laughs) Data's full functionality brought to reality